right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, short edition of the show. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Out early today, 4.30 will be the time that we move aside because of pregame coverage with the Crimson and Blue Show. Tip-off 6 o'clock right here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN. You can also hear it on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. And, uh, you know, you, you don't like the way that the announcers are talking about your team. Well, guess what? Just mute the TV and pull up your radio or pull up the KLWN app or KLWN.com. And boom, you can sync it up with your TV and you will be so, so happy. And boom. That way, you know, we, that way I don't have to hear <laughs> about anybody yeah. complaining about Fran Frischilla yes. saying whatever. We can I end our care. streak of two straight weeks with care. the Fran Frischilla question in the mailbag. I don't, I don't care. The NFL playoff action continues, as it did last night. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57, and for the NFL Divisional Round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. But it's not just the NFL. You can bet on everything, including the game tonight, Kansas-Kansas State. Jayhawks have given up a point and a half. The over-under is 147. So pretty high over-under, especially from what we've been seeing from the other Big 12 games. KU is minus 125 money line. K-State is plus 105. That's down from earlier. It was like plus 120. And uh, you can get in on some of the player props. Let me know if any of these stick out to you, Nick. Dewan Harris over-under 9.5 points. No. Grady Dick, 14.5. Maybe. Jalen Wilson, 19.5. No. Kevin McCuller, 10 and a half. No. KJ Adams, 11 and a half. Yes. I would bring up Keontae Johnson, 18 and a half. Marquise Noel, 15 and a half, which I guess I am bringing no, up, but I know you're just going to say no to both. Probably. Uh, rebounds. Dewan Harris, two and a half. Grady Dick, five and a half. Oh. Jalen, eight and a half. Dewan Harris, six two and, and a half. half. Dewan Harris, two and a half. Yes. Kevin McCuller, six and a half. Yes. What was All the right, other one? So, so Grady Dick. So let's Grady go. Dick, five and a half. No. So Grady Dick, over 14 and a half points. Yes. Which one was your favorite rebound one? Dewan Harris. Or Kevin McCuller. Okay, Dewan well, Harris. Probably Kevin McCuller. Okay, you want Kevin McCuller? All right, Kevin McCuller over six and a half rebounds. Yes. And let's go with Kevin McCuller over one and a half assists. No. No? Give me <laughs> Dewan Harris. like two a game. Okay, fine. He's over fine, five and a half. Well, fine, anyway, uh, fine, you can get Grady Dick over 14 and a half points at plus 105. You can do like same game parlays with this stuff and, uh, they must and put think, it together. They must think that K-State's going to face guard him. Maybe. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KLWN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 
KU takes on K-State tonight. Top 15 showdown happening in Manhattan. Kansas at 5-0 in Big 12 play. K-State at 4-1. Wildcats certainly need to win this one to, to try to stick around the Big 12 race. Not that they'd be out with a loss, but no. you get down two games where you've lost to the team in first at, uh, in your home building, uh, the hill becomes very steep from there. Um, and for KU, it's an opportunity from that standpoint to really kind of tighten your grip on the league crown. If you lose this game, all of a sudden, everybody feels like they're kind of right around or, or maybe back into it. And, and one thing as, as I was trying to to look at this game and, and preview this game is trying to figure out Kansas State. Like, what what exactly is this team? Because I, I still don't think we have a great grip on it. Maybe yeah. we'll have a better idea tonight. Yeah. But, like, is this just a K-State team that's been a great story and is going to end up being an NCAA tournament team but is more so going to be, like, a 7 or 8 or 9 seed that is just hot to start Big 12 play? Or is it a team that is a legit Big 12 title contender and is going to be, like, a 4 or 5 seed in the NCAA tournament that you kind of expect to make the Sweet 16? Because when I'm going through the schedule here, or, like, when you look at the different metrics, like, on Ken Palm, Kansas State is, you know, they're, they're a top 30 they're the, team. They're, like, 26th. They're 26th, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's not where they are in the, you know, AP poll, where uh, they're just this, you know, top 15 team pretty clearly. Or um, you look at, like, uh, Evan Miyakawa's website. Again, like, you know, top 30 team, but they're not, like, in the top 15. Um, you look at Bart Torvik's website. They're 25th. And so is is all this to represent that they're maybe punching ahead of where they are ranked? And I don't know how much that matters tonight, because even if they were 25th instead of 15th, they could still win this game, right? But um, I, 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 I just can't decide how good they are. Like in the non-con, they only beat Cal, who is the worst Power 5 team. I don't know, maybe them or Louisville. They beat them by nine no, points. No, Louisville's been on the win streak lately. They actually, have? I think. Yeah. Okay. No, good it's for, definitely good Cal. for Louisville. Yeah, Cal... And- Cal also was the very last team in all of college basketball. 363 teams. Cal was the very last team to get a win. They were the very last team. They were the only team without a win at one point in the season. Hey, they're on kind of a run, too. They've won three of their last six. They're 3-15 and 15 uh, now. Is, is that a run? Three out of six? <laughs> That's 500. For them, it is. You're 3-3 three and three in your is. last six. That's a run now? Yeah, so, so Cal stinks. They only beat them by nine. They needed overtime to get by Nevada. They beat a, I mean, LSU is barely a top 100 team right now. They only beat them by two. Wichita State is not a top 100 team right now. They've kind of fallen off. Yeah, Wichita State stinks. They only beat them by five. And then Butler, who is like a non-top 70 team, like they're kind of a bubble NCAA tournament team. They lost by 12. So you, you look at the non-con and you're like, yeah, this team's okay. But then in Big 12 play, you win at Texas and you win at Baylor. You have home wins over solid West Virginia Oklahoma State squads. I, I can't figure out how good this team is. I think they're probably in like the six to seven seed range, maybe. But here's the deal with K State. Let's say they do like regress to whatever we think they might be, which is a top forty team instead of a top twenty team. Like they've already with what they've done already in conference play, they still maybe might be in a position where they finish with nine or ten conference wins, which that may be good enough to get them a four or five seed. Honestly. Like if they pick up if they if they split with Kansas and maybe they sweep Baylor or they sweep Texas and they split with TCU and they go, you know, 10 and 7 or I guess 10 and 8 in that scenario, 10 and 8 in that scenario, that's probably good enough to get a 4 or 5 seed, honestly. So, I mean, I, I think regardless of what you thought of them in, the, in non-conference play, they definitely solidified themselves as 
a top half of the conference team, I would say, at this point. Now, they, they could fade, I guess, but like I said, even if they fade and they finish conference and they finish six, you know, they only win six games out of the next rest of the conference season, that still gets them to 10 wins right there. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Like, I, I think they are clearly talented. You look at because the big question for them they just and, rely very heavily on Noel and yes. Keontae Johnson. Very, it was like Marquise Noel coming back, and we knew Noel was a really good player last year. But the knock against him was he can't really shoot. He was shooting thirty percent from three this year. He's he's, he's up uh, to thirty eight. I think yeah, he's up to thirty eight, and he's yeah. well on pace to blow past the amount of attempts he took last year. He's been an elite shooter, and he has taken the step into being one of the best players in the conference. And then you added Keontae Johnson and. You know, in the the preseason, it was like, okay, but what does that mean? Because this is a guy who was coming off like a serious heart injury that he collapsed during a game and he misses a season and he has this big insurance policy where it's like, well, if he doesn't play, he can make millions of dollars, but he ends up playing and he's been great so far this season. Like he looks like an all big 12 player. He looks like a possible all big 12 first team pick on the wing for them. Um, Bill Self said at, at his press conference yesterday, Naquan Tomlin, who is this kind of like four five man hybrid at 6'10 210 pounds is like a pro type of player so like they have real dudes on this team now and, and I do believe that they are a very good team this to me feels like a Missouri game situation for uh, for vitamins. definitely is obviously from the crowd have, environment yeah obviously you have the parallel of the rivalry and the crowd and whatnot but it goes even deeper than that for me and what I mean by that is when you look at Kansas State the way they've been winning their games has been via offense, right? This is a team that wants to play at a higher pace, that wants to— that, Yeah, they play fast. That's, that's when they're at their best, right? And this goes back to a conversation we've had a couple different times about Kansas, while they may not be, like, number one in the country or number in the top five in the country at anything, they are very, very, very good at a lot of things. And what that allows them to do is play and win against other teams where that are only maybe specifically good at one or two things. Look at Iowa State. Iowa State's they hung their hat on the defense, and guess what? Kansas came away came away with one on that game in a game that was a very defensively oriented game. And look what happened against Missouri, obviously, right? Missouri is a team that wanted to get out and run, and Kansas just did it better than them, right? Like mm-hmm. so when so when you're a team that is only like really really good or elite at a couple at one or two things, and you go up against a team that is really really good but not elite at at a bunch of different things. That allows that team to then play to your style and still be successful. And that's what Kansas, I think, is so far this season. And I think this game could be another example of that, where K-State maybe make, tries to make this more of a track meet type game, and Kansas is very comfortable playing that style and can't play that style very successfully, but they also play really good defense. And Kansas State has struggled with turnovers this season. So I think I think we might see a replica of the KU-Missouri game. Now, I'm not saying that means KU is going to beat, beat K-State by 30, but I think to me, that's what it's going to be is K-State's going to try to play to their strength and KU's going to match that and then KU's going to be better than them in other aspects to where that is what's going to lead to them winning the game. That's definitely something that could happen because, like you said, and, and it's the pace for me, yeah. K-State is first in Big 12-only games in tempo. Um, they are second in average possession length on both offense and defense. We know KU likes to play faster. So I, I will say this: KU I think can play at all different. KU can play at all different tempos as yeah. we've seen, but definitely, yeah, definitely when they can be at their best is when it's a faster tempo game. Yeah, and, and I think that because that plays to the strengths of KJ Adams, that plays to the strengths of Dewan Harris. I mean, listen, go back to uh, not the Iowa State game, whatever game before that, where it was. You know, 10 seconds left in the game, and instead of calling a timeout, Bill Self just lets Dewan Harris run the floor mm. late in the game because he knows that he's going to make the right decision on a broken court, and and he did. 
So that's just another example of that. Yeah. So that that could be a good thing for Kansas. I, I do think that the difference for this game versus the Missouri game, K-State has two better players with Noel and Johnson than anything that Missouri probably had. Um, and Missouri's best player was the reason he's kind of their best player with Kobe Brown is because other teams have traditional centers, whereas KU had the perfect matchup with KJ Adams. Yeah. But I th- that's going to be an interesting matchup in this one because uh, I-, I mentioned Tomlin, who kind of plays the four and the five for them. And when he's not playing the five, the guy who plays a lot of five for them too is, uh, I- I'm probably going to mess this name up, Abayomi Iola, something like that. But it's he's 6'10", 220. So they have both their centers that pr- play the primary minutes for them are like lengthy guys, but they're not... They're not like super strong guys, 210 pounds, 220 pounds. So you have the the strength of KJ Adams versus the height of Tomlin and, and Eola, basically, um, which that's going to be kind of an interesting matchup. But both those guys, because they are, you know, athletic, lengthy guys, it allows them to run the floor. They don't have that advantage of playing like a, a lumbering big man um, to where they can just outrun them because KJ is still going to be able to kind of keep up with them, which I think is a good thing for Kansas. Now, when you look at what Kansas State does well, beyond them just playing fast offensively, they shoot the ball well. They don't take a ton of threes. Like, they are uh, 271st in their point distribution coming from three-point range. And in Big 12 games, they're sixth in the amount of shots that they take that are threes, kind of middle of the pack there. Uh, but they shoot them pretty well. They're, they're 35% on threes on the season. They are up to 37% in Big 12 games. So good, not great there from three. They get a lot of offensive rebounds. They are uh, 62nd in the country in offensive rebound rate. They are fourth in the Big 12 only games in doing that. And that is an area that could worry you a little bit because that's something that bothered you against Iowa State. You have to be able to limit the offensive glass. Yeah, and I... I think that Kansas will be better about that because I'm sure that's going to be a message from Bill Self is to be <laughs> to, to, to do better in that area. Uh, I think one of the, one of the interest, something that I'm interested to see in this game is we've already kind of talked about it. How for K State it really kind of runs through Noel and Keontae Johnson. Mm-hmm. Well, Kansas has Dewan Harris, so you got Dewan Harris versus Marcus Noel, and they have Kevin McCuller, who you figure would probably be the guy that would draw the assignment on on Keontae Johnson. So I think the question then becomes. First of all, are those the consistent matchups of the whole game? And second of all, Kansas has done a lot of switching this season. Do you think that would continue in a game like this? Or do you think instead they would be more it would be more of like a McCuller's gonna stick with Johnson, Harris is gonna stick with Noel? I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I mean, do, do you think Kansas changed their changes their defensive approach at all because of that? Or just because uh, listen, Kansas has, as we talked about, arguably the best defensive backcourt in the country, Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris. But they haven't played a team that actually has two other guys that are like all of their offense, basically, mm-hmm. right? So the question, the question I'm asking is, would they continue to play the style of defense they played this season, which is do a lot, of, a lot of different switching action, or is it just going to be Dewan, you're on Marquise Noel, Kevin McCuller, you're on Keontae Johnson, we'll switch everything else, but those two guys are staying with their man. My immediate thought is they're not going to change up what they currently do just for one game. But, but you haven't played a team like this. You haven't played a team where yeah. it's literally two guys at the two positions that we think you have the best defenders in right. the country. So why wouldn't you just keep those guys on? Them? Yeah, no, you make, you make a really good point there because otherwise I feel like what K-State's going to do is they're going to try to ball screen it till they to get, get a Grady switch. Dick onto Keontae exactly. Johnson exactly. or whatever. 
And yeah, I don't know. Go to that's, work. A good, that's a very good point. Very good point. Well, we'll see if that happens. Um, I think it's very astute, and, and we'll see if that, that ends up being the case. Um, so I, you, you look at them on the other end, like they're, they're pretty good defensively, but really the biggest thing they do defensively, um, it's two things. One, they limit three-point shots, both in the amount that the opponent takes, and they limit the percentage, which tells me that they're doing a good job getting hands in people's faces and getting out on the line. They haven't been a great two-point defense. They've been above average. Um, but the one thing they do elite is turning the ball over, which, hey, another Big 12 team that forces a lot of turnovers. What do you know, right? <laughs> surprise, surprise. They are uh, 38th in the country in turnover rate defensively. They are 24th in the country in non-steal turnover rate, which a lot of that's charges. So be prepared for a lot of charges tonight. Uh, they're well, also you know, 80th have, in steal rate. When you have a guy like Marquise Noel, who's a much smaller guard, he's going to be probably trying 100%. to take a lot of charges. Yep. And... If you can hold on the ball, that bodes well for you. Now, something K-State does not do well. They they put teams to the free throw line a lot. So KU's got to be able to make their free throws. And they also are not a good defensive rebounding team. KU, at times, can be a good offensive rebounding team with KJ yeah. Adams and Jalen Wilson kind of attacking the glass. Yeah. So that could be an area that, that you kind of pick it back up. I think this could be another KJ Adams game, actually. I think, I think it really could be. And what does that mean? 16, 18 points, maybe. Six, eight rebounds for him. I mean, that's that was good enough for him to be a Big 12 player of the week last week. Yeah. No, he's been he's been awesome so far. So, I mean, you have the opportunity in front of you with a win tonight. Um, if you win tonight and Saturday against TCU, you basically built up that gigantic jump on every other Big 12 team almost halfway through the slate. So big opportunity to to kind of take that advantage up. Uh, we'll finish with these. We're going to get to our, our we'll, we'll pick the game against the spread here in a second. But KU wins if what? I think KU wins if Dewan Harris is more aggressive offensively. He, he, I think he needs to be able to channel his energy that he creates defensively into, into more opportunities offensively because I suspect that, you know, you're going to have the matchup of him versus Noel. I suspect that K-State is going to be trying to double and or face guard Grady Dick. I think Dewan Harris needs to be more aggressive or look to shoot more. And again, we've talked about it. Like he doesn't need to be taking five, six threes a game, but if he takes three a game and hit and is hitting one or two of them each game, like that's enough. I think you don't have to do a whole lot to make a team respect you from three. You really just have to hit a couple, right? Because then if you just get in their head, that's all. It need, that's all you need. So to me, I think Dewan needs to be more aggressive because I think this could also be a game where he kind of takes over. And, and again, a Dewan takeover game might be six or seven points, you know. But you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I just. I I I may I don't know maybe I'm maybe I've been kind of making too much of his performance that he again he played really well in the Iowa State game it had zero points in thirty minutes maybe I'm reading too much into that but I would like to see him and I think Kansas will be more effective if he is more aggressive and and looks to shoot more and again that doesn't mean I that doesn't mean I'm saying Dewan Harris take ten shots tonight take four or five or six you know and like I said if he hit a couple threes that if you hit like a couple threes in the first half. That could be enough to make an opposing defense respect you for the rest of the game. Like, that's all you have to do, right? So if he can just do that and kind of maybe set the tone early with some aggression offensively, that should really open things up for Kansas, and I think that could be one of the keys to them winning the game. Yeah, for me, it's it's if they score efficiently from two-point range. Um, hasn't really happened so far for KU and Big 12 play. For their five starters, the lone exception being KJ Adams. So Jalen, Kevin, Grady, and Dewan are all shooting under 40% on two point shots through their five Big 12 games. Both of K State's two losses came in games where the opposition shot above 57% from two point range. And if you look at Kansas State's four worst games 
in terms of their two-point defense. So basically, the the four highest two-point percentages that opposing offenses have scored against them. I, I don't know if I phrased that in a way that, that would make it make sense. Um, but basically, games that K-State's defense would not want to give up to two-point defense. Or, or I guess to opposing teams on two-point offense. Again, I feel like I'm making this complicated. But of those, <laughs> the four worst games that they've had defensively defending the two. Lost to Butler. Overtime against Nevada. Gave up 103 points against Texas. They just won because they outscored them. And lost to TCU. So what does that tell you? If you can score efficiently from two against this team, because they do a good job of, of preventing the three-point shots. Like I said, like TCU last game. TCU beat K-State by 14 TCU went three of 19 from three. It wasn't about them hitting a bunch of threes. They shot 58% almost on two-point shots. TCU didn't turn it over a bunch, and uh, they had a bunch of offensive rebounds, and, and that was enough to win. Flip side of this, K-State wins if what? They don't. <laughs> There's no logical <laughs> outcome for you. I mean, I, K-State wins if if Noel and Johnson go off, okay. because that's their that's that's like their offense. Like, if DeWan can't shut down Noel, and if Johnson has, you know. So if they combine plus, for like 40, you don't feel great about it. I mean, if they combine for 40, I think KU could still win. I think they would need to combine for, like, 50, honestly. Okay. Well, last year you had Nigel Pack going for, like, 35, and Noel went for 15, and that almost and they, got it done. So still it was about 50. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just, no, I mean, when you, have it, when you have an offense This exercise where, is not a foolproof if this happens, it guarantees. No, it's yeah, just, it's yeah, I know. But when, you, when, you, when you have an offense where you have two guys averaging over 17 points per game, and then your next highest is almost 11, but then nobody else is above 8, like... It's it's just going to come down to one of those two guys, and and like I said, when you have a backcourt like Kansas boasts with DeWan Harris and Kevin McCuller, this is kind of their opportunity to to I guess prove that conjecture that hey, this is one of the best defensive backcourts in the country because you're going up against a team that has two guys at your positions, McCuller and DeWan Harris, that are the two top scorers on their team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense for for me, it, but also K State does not win. <laughs> I'll say if uh, K-State limits KU possessions. Here's what I mean by that. Talked about the K-State really good um, in terms of forcing turnovers. They have not been good at defensive rebounding. So when you look at this game and what I just mentioned with the TCU game where TCU beat them by 14, TCU got a ton of offensive rebounds, but also TCU avoided turnovers. So if you get offensive rebounds, that leads to more shots. That leads to more possessions. If you avoid turnovers, that leads to more possessions, more shots, right? But what K-State has basically done is that, hey, even though we're not a great defensive rebounding team, because we're forcing turnovers and steals, it basically neutralizes. So you're not going to have an advantage getting a bunch more possessions or shots because even if, if you get an offensive rebound, maybe a later possession will force a steal and it'll equal out. It'll be one and one, right? But K- because TCU did both well, they really maximized the amount of shots that they were able to get up and the amount of possessions they were able to get up against Kansas State. And here's the good news for Kansas in this regard. Kansas has not had a game with more than 15 turnovers this season. That's pretty impressive. I, I think that speaks a lot to Dwan Harris. And yeah. Even Bobby Pettiford off the bench. Yeah. And in Big 12 play, here's their turnover numbers by game in their five games. 12, 12, 12, 6, and 12. That's an average of under 11 per game. Or basically, if you look at the median, 12. <laughs> now, if you take out, because the first half wow, of the Oklahoma 12, 12, State 12, game. 12, the average of that is 12. <laughs> if you take out the uh, the, the first <laughs> hey, half. I'm not very good at math, but I can do you that. You can do that. If you take out the first half of the Oklahoma State game, they had 11 in the first half against Oklahoma State, one in the second half. So if you take out the first half, in their last 
what would that be? Nine halves of basketball, okay, so four no, and a half okay. games. In their last crazy four and a half games, they would be on pace for just nine and a half turnovers per game. That is really, really good. So if you have a game where you only have 12 turnovers again and you take advantage of their poor defensive rebounding and KJ gets four offensive rebounds and McCuller gets a couple and Jalen gets a couple, then all of a sudden you're cooking with something. But if K-State can avoid that and they force a lot of turnovers and they limit your defensive rebounding, that's how I think Kansas State wins this game. Uh, what is your official pick for the game? It is KU minus one and a half and Kansas. over under 147. Kansas for sure. Okay. 147 is pretty high. But listen, when it's that high, you got to ride it. Give me the over. Okay, so you're taking KU minus one and a half and over 147. Yes. I'm, By the way, every Big 12 basketball game tonight, the spread is within two points. So every single game. It's a tough conference. I'm going to go with K-State just because, to me, this game is going to mean a lot more for them. And I don't just mean that from the fan base thing of the K-State hating KU more than KU, you know, whatever. I, I just mean that from K-State really could use this win to stick around. For KU, it's more of a cherry-on-top game. Um, so I'm going to go K-State barely. I think it's a close game, but I am going to go the over. I think it'll be an entertaining up-and-down game. Uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Went a little long in the open there, but for good reason. Yep. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We have Rock Chalk pick a hawk. Some Jalen Wilson audio next. We are tied 7-7 seven to seven in Rock Chalk Pickahawk. So, I mean, KUK State, you thought that was big. This right here, this. This is, is the, the real, real matchup. The real rivalry. Mm -hmm. The real rivalry. You have the first pick this time. Oh, okay. Doing snake. Reminder, you can take one player from the other team. Uh, you get a point for every point they score, two for assists, rebounds, three for steals, blocks, lose a point for a missed shot, lose two for turnovers. All right, I'm taking Jalen. That was fast. Okay. Jalen Wilson on the quick quick draw. Um man. I I I'm so scared <laughs> to take Grady Dick in this thing anymore because of the face guarding stuff where you don't know which team is going to and which team is not. Yep. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway. In state game for him. Hey. Means a little more grown up in the state with the rivalry. So I'll go Grady Dick one. Okay. And now I'm between Dewan or KJ Adams. The the worry for me with Dewan is that he's going to spend so much time and energy defending Marquise Noel that it's not going to be a super productive offensive game for him. So I am going to go with KJ Adams. He's been on a tear lately. I was really hoping you would have gone with Dewan there. Mm. Well, I'll take Dewan. Okay. And Kevin McCullough, I guess. You do not want Kevin. You can take Bobby Pettiford. No. Okay. Wow, just scoff at Bobby. I'm not scoffing at Bobby. Bobby's you Bobby. laughed, Bobby's, basically. I didn't you laugh. laughed in his face. No, I didn't. I, didn't I said Bobby Pettiford, and you just started cackling. No, I didn't. Okay, I will take Bobby right, Pettiford. You take Bobby? I will not laugh in his face. Um, After this is always the tough part. Yeah. So do I go bench center, or do I go Joe Yesifu? I don't think Zach Clements is going to play in this game. No, this doesn't seem like a Zach Clements game. I don't think it's a Zach Clements game. So that point, do I go Zubi so Edgefer? Cam Martin game? But even then, like if it's is a it Zubi Edgefer or Cam Martin game, with Cam Martin was dealing with that injury last week, I don't oh, know what true. his I status is. He might be still out, yeah. But like even if it's a Zubi game, it's five minutes of Zubi? He played seven minutes against Iowa State. And I get it. He could get two points and three rebounds, and that's going to be worth more pick-a-hawk points than like if Joe Yesfu has two points and one assist. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just going to go with the minutes for Joe Yesfu against Joe. a team that uh, – I mean, we saw a couple three-guard lineups for brief stretches against Iowa State to deal with their 
turnover yeah. rate defense. Maybe that it was kind of the same thing tonight. So I'll go Joe. Uh, well, I guess I'll go Zuby. Okay. And then, oh boy. Take K-State player? I'm not taking K-State player. You're not taking one at all? I'm not taking one at all. Wow. I, I, I don't There's care. There are two really good ones out there. I don't care. Okay. I don't care. It's a, it's a matter of principle. So you're stuck between Ernest Uday, MJ, MJ Rice, Rice, who have been Martin, MIA. Zach Clements. Yep, Cam Martin, who might be injured. Michael Zach Jankovic. Clements, Michael Jankovic. Kyle hey, Cuff, I, hey, I saw Kyle Cuff made a half-court shot today hey, before if, practice, so maybe he's getting ready to hey, be back. If K-State is, or if KU is up 25, Jankovic is going to be in there. <laughs> if you think they're going to be up 25, go for it. I I I'm gonna I'm gonna blindly toss a dart at the wall here, and I'm gonna take MJ Rice again, even though he's gonna score zero okay. points. That's just a waste of a pick. Yep. So stupid. I will go with Zach Clements. I thought that's what you should have done, because even though I don't feel like he's not this gonna is play, a, I don't think. But like, if Cam Martin's injured and they don't trust Zuby that much, I don't know. Zach's been the first big off the bench. Why not? Uh, and then I'll go with the K State player. The question is, hmm, because I. Yeah, I don't know. This is tough between Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel. I think Noel is the better player, just in a vacuum. Like, he sets so much up for the K-State team. But also, he has Dewan Harris on him. But again, if KU's switching, I don't know how much of that. I could see them targeting Keontae Johnson, try to get switched on to Grady. Noel's going to get a bunch of assists. Johnson's going to get a bunch of rebounds. But also, jo- Noel is going to get more steal. I'm going to go with Marquise Noel. So you sure you don't want okay. Keontae Johnson? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. So you're down to Michael Jankovic, Cam Martin, Ernest Duday. I'm taking Jankovic. Okay. Michael Jankovic. Could be a bit of a difference in how much our last picks score. <laughs> we'll find out. All right. That is uh, Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk. I had a chance to hear from Jalen Wilson yesterday ahead of the game against Kansas State later today. Here is what the fourth year junior question mark, whatever. Here's what the power forward. I don't know. Is he even a power forward? Doesn't Dude. matter. Here's what oh, Jalen Wilson oh, had to okay. say. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Jalen, do you remember your, your very first trip to Manhattan? And um, secondly, can you can you give us an idea of what it's really like there on the court when you're in the middle of, of, of what happens when you're there? Uh, yeah, my my first time was during like the Kobe year, so it wasn't really uh, too crazy. Kind of like a normal game with how many fans were allowed to come. But uh, last year was kind of like my real. Um, First time in Manhattan with all the fans and stuff like that, and it was, it was super crazy. Uh, the fans are, are like, I think they're there before we even get there, and as soon as we walk in, they start all the boos and chants. But uh, it's a great atmosphere, especially. Uh, I feel like this probably will be the best, uh, best one I've seen yet, just because of how great the season's going. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Did you ever play against Keontae when you were in high school? Uh, no, never did. I guess when you when you see him on film, I guess what stands out about him? Uh, well, he's very athletic, very tall for four guard position, and uh, I think he can score at three levels very well. And uh, you know, he's hasn't got to play a lot because of some of his health problems, but he's been around college for a long time, so he knows you know exactly you know what to do, and you know he's been a, a key role in the success this year. How different is K State this team you see now compared to when you guys played last year? 
Uh, probably the biggest thing I see is like the confidence. Uh, I think last year they uh, they may have, you know, it was close last year and I think it may have surprised some of the people. But now, like this year, they know they can beat teams. Uh, they know they can play with a lot of different people and that's kind of been the difference. And, uh, and what I've seen is just as far as how they carry themselves, how they're playing, you know, they're playing with great confidence. Uh, going to Austin and, and play like that, I mean, they're, they're, they're a good team this year. You've gone through the draft process before. Does it enter your mind at all that this could be your last time in Manhattan for a game? Uh, no, I kind of just been just soaking in everything as, as as much as I can. You know, I never really think about the NBA because I know that that this is what it's all about right now, and uh, you know this will this will carry on to wherever I want to do after this. You know, winning now and uh, winning every game that we face. You mentioned the Missouri game is helping you know you guys get ready for an environment like this. Is that what you've been telling guys like Grady and, and Ernest and those guys who haven't been in it before? Or do you tell them about last year at all? Or what's your thought on that? I kind of think Mizzou was, was, a, was a great way to prepare for that. Um, I think Mizzou's gym probably it was it was a little bit more louder. And, and I think Mizzou's just more of a hatred for us, you know, as, as far as K-State Mizzou go. Um, so I think it's a great prep for us. You know, we're used to a lot of, a lot of noise, a lot of crowds anyway. So, uh, you know, any of the booze and chants kind of be something we've already heard before. Grady's not new to this rivalry, right? It's his first year playing it, but he grew up with it. Do you feel like the guys in, in the locker room, Kansas kids, are not understand kind of the magnitude of this rivalry and how much it means to the fans? Uh, if they don't, coach will make sure they do by tomorrow. Um, you know, I've personally never lost to them, so, you know, it's something that I've always carried with myself, just that pride of, of never losing to those certain schools that, you know, that we don't personally get along with the best. So, uh, you know, today we'll just let them understand, you know, what, what this means to a lot of different people. You know, that's that's one thing I feel like we always step up to the plate for is games that, you know, I mean, a lot of different different people around that, are, that support us. And uh, I feel like we care that well. Jalen, one last question about Saturday. Your shot's not going down. Uh, you're fighting for, I think, an offensive board. There's a scrum. You're against a shot clock, and then you throw up something. I don't even know if you knew where you were throwing it. It goes down, but can you just go in detail on that play? Oh yeah, I was uh, kind of just scrambling on the ground. I had just got my shot blocked when I when I went in there, and uh, I I just seen the ball on the ground. It just kept getting closer and closer to me, and I was like, man, I might be able to pick this ball up and shoot it. And uh, I knew the shot clock was going down, and you know I just picked it up and put a little float on it, and, and it went in. So that's pretty much what it was. I think all the attention going to you when you were scoring so many points probably freed up KJ a little bit, uh, but now that he's getting so much offense, uh, maybe that gets balanced out a little bit. But can you just talk about the defense you've been getting and how now teams have to really prep for, for KJ offensively? Yeah, no, KJ's been great. KJ has... Uh... He's giving us a whole another look at our at our game because he's so effective in that in that short post area. Um, I mean, you give him the ball off the roll, he's he's been terrific as far as his playmaking and and also just has been able to finish. And, and uh, you know, guys are always going to change the way you know not going to let me drive right and and play me on certain plays. They know, but you know, we got five guys out there that can that can do pretty much anything that they want to do. And it's like. If guys take one thing away, we got guys like KJ stepping up to the plate and, and showing his confidence and showing what he can do. And I think that's what makes us a team. You know, you gotta gotta have five guys there that are that are willing and able to help. And uh, that was just something like like we did last year. You know, guys always try to take Oach out, and we just have to find a way to, to help him. And uh, you know, and we have to step up to the plate when when guys do that. And that's exactly how you know we created a great team last year.
How much have you watched K State? Um, not not film, but just when they're on TV or whatever. When you're not playing. Uh, I haven't seen too much okay. just because I don't really click K-State when I see it. But uh, I'll watch more today and tomorrow for sure before the game. But I definitely respect them. Uh, they're definitely a, a great team. They have some great wins on the road and at home. So we need to prepare for that. And, and along those lines, what do you remember from last year about Noel? Um, tough dude. He's, he's yeah. one of the only guys that got back. Yeah, no, very tough dude. Um, really doesn't play with any conscience at all. You know, he's, he's confident wherever he's out on the court, shooting the ball, um, talking to the crowd, talking to us. You know, those are those are games I love. You know, I love when it's competitive like that. And, uh, you know, he's a very confident dude. and He's the leader of the team. So, you know, we're going to have to really prep for him and the way he plays. Jalen, just going back to last year, obviously the Carolina game down 15, um, Oklahoma State down 15, Oklahoma down 10 with five to go. What is it about this team really that it kind of allows you guys to um, – I guess eke out those wins and, and not panic and, and kind of stay the, the course? Uh, probably just all of our mindsets and, uh, you know, how coach prepares us for games like that. You know, a lot of times in preseason, you know, before we play, we're going through different situations and, you know, he'll put us on a team down 10 with, with three and a half minutes and, you know, we got to find a way to win. I feel like we we work on that so much during the uh, during the off season and preseason that you know when it comes to game time we've seen certain situations you know if it's bonus double bonus different things like that and so kind of when it, when we get to the game it becomes second nature and uh, especially with how uh, you know like you said the championship with like we just have the ultimate confidence in ourselves that no matter what the score is uh, we'll get the job done. That was Jalen Wilson ahead of tonight's game against Kansas State here right here on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 Kiss. We're going to take a timeout, and then we're going to have a short Monday Night Football segment on the other side. Matt Tate will join us at 4.05. This is RCST. Coming up at 4.05, Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. So last night was the final wild card round action. It was Monday Night Football and the Cowboys looked really good. The Buccaneers looked really bad. The Buccaneers are who they are who we thought they were. A bad team yep. with an old, raggedy, bad quarterback. You just you, you almost got caught up as like, oh, it's Tom Brady hosting a playoff game. He's never lost to the Cowboys. And I got caught up in that too. So I'm not I mean, that was borderline myself. elder abuse by Byron Leftwich. <laughs> Run the ball, dude. You're, you're making me watch a 47-year-old man just get sacked and is, he's got a noodle arm. He can't throw it 10 yards. Mm-hmm. And you're just throwing it over and over again. <laughs> Byron Leftrich, what are we doing? And it's Florida. They should have strict laws with that stuff. I think Byron Leftwich needs to be investigated. Okay, I'm all for that. Do you think it's Tom Brady's last game? I don't think Tom Brady thinks it's Tom Brady's last game, but I think it probably should be. Do you think it's his last game with the Buccaneers? Oh, yes, easily. So he'll go to, like, the 49ers Which, by the or way, something. If you're a team, why would you sign him? He sucks. He literally sucks. He was really bad. He literally is terrible. He yeah. sucks. If like, he gets any pressure, like, he can't do anything about like it. You're way better off either, A, drafting a young quarterback, or, B, signing literally anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you're the Titans, why would you sign him? I mean, I guess from the Titans' standpoint, he he can still turn around and hand off Derrick Henry, I guess. But like, it just that just I don't understand. Yeah, I I mean, it feels it bad. It feels it feels bad that you know he this is how he's going to go out. But like, 
if he keeps coming back, it's just going to be worse and worse. You would think so. The one thing that does give me hesitation is remember his last year in New England? I don't know if it was this bad, but it was it was bad. It was like he's lost it. His last year in New England, and they they lost to, I think it was the Titans. Well, what's funny the, is like, it, it looked like, I mean, listen, it looked like he lost it. And then in the fourth quarter, he kind of, it was like his last gasp. He mm-hmm. got it all together. He had that great touchdown pass to Julio Jones. Like, he kind of, he had to put it all together for one, for six plays. But, dude, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah, it was. Who do you think really is more likely to retire, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Probably Tom Brady, but it's it's pretty close. Well, Aaron Rodgers is such a tool. He's just gonna go. <laughs> he's just gonna go on a mountaintop somewhere and be like, "Oh, I must ponder whatever the gods tell me. Should I retire or not? Do I need to come back and make twenty five million dollars, or should I just retire?" Like, dude, nobody cares. I think it Literally, is. No one cares. I I kind of think, I don't know. I honestly, I don't think either retires. Rodgers has done this each of the last few years, and he's he's tried to basically. It's, it it's feels all, like to me he's just putting pressure show. on it's the front office to try to stay competitive and and make a move for him. No, I think it's all a show. I think it's it could all be. A, ooh, look at me. I'm gonna ponder whether or not I'm gonna retire. Everyone's gonna talk about me all off season. Ooh. I think Brady and then he comes goes back. and sucks. I mean, and then you're, nobody cares. If you're Tom Brady and you were like, "No, I just want to play one last year, or I get a divorce," then you're like, "Okay, I'll give up the one last year." For him to basically give up his marriage to keep playing football, you can't Which, just by the way, play one the more year. Dumbest thing of all time. It is, but you like, can't so just stupid. play that one more year. He's like, gonna have dude, to play more. Longer. Go retire, buy an island, buy ten islands. Mm-hmm. You're married to Giselle, or you were. You could just live on a beach the rest of your life and not have to do anything. And instead, you want to go get crushed by Micah Parsons and just get obliterated mm-hmm. on national TV? I, I don't understand. That's the most obvious choice I've ever seen in my entire life. And he still messed it up. Like, dude, what are we doing? Yeah, but I, really no, bad. I feel like you're kind of right. I feel like, as a matter of principle, he has to try to play another year. I would think so. Now, hey, as bad as it's been for Harrison Bucker, at least it wasn't that last night what we saw from Brett Maher. Yeah, that's brutal. By the way, the over-under for that game... 45 and a half. What did it finish at? 31? Finished at 45. He makes one extra point. Brutal. Or two. It covers. That's tough. That's very tough. tough. Hey, are you excited for Daniel Jones versus Brock Purdy in the NFC title game? No. That's what's going to happen. I'm to a point, I think uh, whoever wins San Francisco-Dallas is going to the Super Bowl. That game to me is... is Worth Daniel Jones the NFC championship. I mean, he... He, <laughs> he could. He looked really good against the Vikings, and the NFC is wide open, dude. There, There is a part of me, too, that thinks that whoever wins the NFC is going to end up winning the Super Bowl just from the standpoint of, remember last year, the Chiefs beat the Bills. It's this crazy game, and then they lose to the Bengals. It's almost this idea of, like, you beat yourself up to win these really tough games, and then all of a sudden it's the team you don't expect comes out of the other end that didn't have to go through what you did who wins the game. But like, the Rams were actually a good team. You mean the Bengals? Yeah, I, I no the Rams. Oh no 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 no! I'm I'm saying like the Chiefs lose to the Bengals after they get beat up by the Bills. You see what I'm saying? But well, the Chiefs don't have to do that this year. No, but like whoever wins the AFC, you're going to have to go through the Bengals, the Bills. But, okay, or the but Chiefs, the point right? is, is like the Rams last year out of the NFC were actually good. If it's like the Giants or like <laughs> or the Cowboys, they're not good. Cowboys looked really good, man. <laughs> that pass rush. Looks legit. Yeah, that would be a disaster for the Chiefs, actually. 
I, I really do think whoever wins San Francisco, Dallas, going to the Super Bowl. Because I, I don't trust that Daniel Jones is going to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I do not really trust the Eagles, as good as they've been all year, kind of fading at the end. Jalen Hurts is playing through injury. Now, if, if you told me Jalen Hurts is going to be 100%, like, sure, he I could, could absolutely be, see that. I mean, you got a bye week. He might, but he said that he was, like, in a lot of pain through their last game. So, yeah, maybe, maybe the bye week is enough to get over that, but I, I don't really expect it to. I've been in a lot of pain in a lot of Chiefs games this year, and I've sucked it up. <laughs> Different kind of pain. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Same kind of pain, I think. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and covered patio. When we come back, Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. This is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here. We are out early today. Pre-game coverage of KUK State starts at 4.30. Tip-off 6 o'clock right here on KLWN and KLWN.com. Top 15 showdown here. Uh, before we get into some of the KUK State preview, uh, Matt, uh, as, as we're joined by Matt Tate here, Lawrence Journal World, should probably uh, introduce that first. Uh, Seven-game series. This KU team versus last year's KU team. What would be most intriguing to you about the matchup? And who wins and how many? Ah, it'd have to be guys guarding each other or themselves, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's got to be it. Yeah. I mean, that, it looks weird when Dewan guards Dewan mm-hmm. and steals it from Dewan. I mean, I, you know. Um, no, I, I think uh, two things. If this Jalen, you know, and that's what we're talking about is this year's team. So if this Jalen goes against last year's team, I, I don't know. Sorry, I don't know that they can uh, – that, that last year's team had someone that definitely could guard him um, with the physicality and getting downhill and all that. And then at the same time, I would I would be really interested to see what what um, this year's team does guarding Ochai. You, you'd figure that it would be McCuller that, that gets the biggest crack at him, but McCuller got a few cracks at him when he was at Texas Tech, and it didn't always go very well. So um, that would be really intriguing. And then, of course, um, you know, of course, Trying to figure out what happens with the uh, with with the Dave McCormick situation going against this group. So I would take last year's team. Um, I, I think the the size, a little more experience, a little more of a bench. I mean, you, you got to think about you know Remy Martin and and Mitch Lightfoot and Jalen Coleman Lands, and uh, that's a legitimate bench, you know. Um, and I'm probably forgetting one or two. So. Um, I, I think that that would be the biggest difference maker, and, and I don't know that this year's that this year's group could necessarily handle um, Dave if he was playing like Dave down the stretch last year. So uh, I would say this, or sorry, last year in a seven-game series, four games to one. Wow. All right. So you mentioned the bench scoring from last year's team compared to this year's team. We're almost a third of the way into conference play now, and still really nobody from the bench has been gaining much traction. How concerning is that to you that at this point in the season the, there hasn't really been much scoring coming from the bench? Um, yeah, I think I mean, I, I think it's, uh, it's got to be something that, that they're concerned about. Um, but at the same time, you know, it obviously is working and working at a pretty, pretty good rate and pretty high level. So um, I, I think that there's definitely something to be said for hoping to get more. Um, but if they don't, are they cooked? Uh, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I think that, I think that there's a good chance that they, uh, 
they have enough in the starting lineup with the versatility that they have there. And, um, you know, it, it, would you like to get six or seven from Bobby? Sure. Would you like to get one of those other big guys going a little bit? Of course, you know. But um, is it absolutely critical? That, that part I don't think is necessarily true. Um, it, it all depends on the confidence, the production, the efficiency of, of, the, of the five guys. Because with that, with that starting five, as much as they're playing the lion's share of the minutes and they're playing a lot and, and obviously you know, counted on a lot, um, they're also not necessarily the, uh, the, the 38-39, 40-minutes-a-game kind of guys like we've seen from some of their starters in the past. Uh, I think Dewan played 39 the other day, and and that was probably one too few. He probably should have been out there all 40 in that kind of game. But, um, you know, there's still – my point, I guess, is that there's still room for that, that group to play even just a tick more if required and if, if they need him to. So the, the trickiest part about that obviously becomes just the situation of the mental grind and, and self-talk about that this week. I think that's emerged as a – as a really big story um, that this group does not get a, a night off, you know, in the big 12. I mean, they have to bring their best. They have to be ready to grind. They have to compete, not just every night and not just every game, but almost every possession with everything on the line. And, and so the mental grind of it all, how, how's that going to hold up as the year goes on? I think that's where you would like to get a little bit more from the bench. Um, even if it is, even if it doesn't necessarily mean scoring, just to just to hit the release valve on some of that pressure and and just you know, I guess uh, intensity that that builds when when you're out there trying to play that type of game night after night after night in the Big Twelve. We're talking with Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com here on RCST. You'll be able to check out Matt's recap of the game in uh, tonight's edition on KUSports.com and. Uh, it should be a great game. I mean, we have a top 15 showdown. You have uh, K-State who who revels in, in playing uh, this this kind of rivalry at home here. Uh, but I'm curious, just from a historical perspective, obviously last year had a, a different um, attribute to it in, in the sense of what happened with, with Bill Self and his father. But if I'm just talking about the game itself, where you have two teams who I guess at this point are competing for a Big 12 title, where you have two really good opponents, top 15 opponents, this is the best matchup between KU and K-State since probably when? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I won't be able to put a year on it because I'm not great at that. They, they blend together for me. But I, I think, um, you know, Barry Brown, Dean Wade, um, those teams that K-State had, I think, so what's that, maybe 16, 17, somewhere in there? Yeah, somewhere between kind of the, the 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 range, somewhere in there. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, look, man, I mean, I don't remember everybody that was on all of those teams, but Barry Brown was a freaking stud, and Dean Wade was really good, and they had a pretty good supporting cast as well. So, I, I you know, I think that – I think that um, – biggest since then i don't remember that those teams were ranked this high i don't remember that those teams were um you know they certainly weren't 15 and 2 and uh you, you know building this much buzz there's always buzz when kansas comes to town as you just alluded to but um 
you know, I, I, I don't know that that those teams got to experience. I mean, this team was ranked 11th last week. They're they're ranked, you know, 13th this week. They're they're uh, they're getting votes in the top five, top six. You know, both of these weeks. I mean, this to me is a whole different kind of Kansas State hype machine and 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 experience. And uh, you know, we're we're just seeing that for not maybe not the first time because if you go back to Beasley and Bill Walker and those guys, they were they were ranked pretty high and and uh, certainly a legitimately ridiculously talented team. But that's been a long time now, and uh, I, I think that. We haven't seen a whole lot like this otherwise, you know. So um, I, I, I think it's uh, I, I think that's going to add a lot to it. I was asking self that yesterday, and and I don't know that it absolutely hit the question. Um, I was trying to find out if if them being ranked high and the extra buzz that comes with that and all that is going to make this more fun because obviously Bill Self and a lot of these players, you know, they played in this rivalry when it was terrific, you know, buzz, hype, all that stuff. And uh, they've also played in it when K-State was terrible. And, uh, you know, I, I have to think that it makes it a lot more fun when K-State's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, well, and in this matchup, too, I, I think some really interesting player matchups, I guess, so to speak, with uh, Kevin McCuller, Keontae Johnson. I don't know if that'll be the matchup, but that could certainly be interesting from McCuller's defense on Johnson. You have... Uh, Dewan Harris and Marquise Noel, who might be the two best point guards in the Big 12 right now. Uh, what are you most excited for in the game tonight? Or is there a matchup that sticks out to you between these two teams? I, yeah, definitely there is. And, and I, think, I, I, mean, I think whatever happens with Noel is definitely a huge, um, obviously, part of the game. But, but I think that's where the game's decided. I think if KU can, can figure out a way to, to make it hard on him and you know, I was looking at their two losses. He didn't play great in either of the losses, including the other night at TCU when he had six turnovers. So it, it, it's probably overly simplistic to say, you know, you slow him down and that's the end of the game. They'll lose. You know, that's probably not quite the case, but it does seem like that's a pretty big part of the, the equation. So I'm excited to see how, how that looks. I'm excited to see... Obviously, we know DeWan's going to get a crack at him. I think a lot of people expect Kevin McCullough to maybe get a crack or two at him, if not more. Um, based on self-presser the other day, though, I, I would watch out for Bobby Pettiford getting some fun tonight, um, maybe even playing more minutes than Grady Dick if Grady's offense isn't going and uh, he's not being efficient uh, because self was really praising um, uh, Bobby the other day and how he slides his feet defensively and, and especially how he did that on that last possession against Iowa State. So there's almost always a reason that Bill Self is saying what he's saying. And for him to be saying such complimentary things about Bobby Pettiford one day before the Sunflower Showdown, it makes me feel like uh, maybe that was a little bit of a tell um, that, that, uh, that, that, that he's going to play more than we more than we expect or more than we've seen or whatever. But, you know, he also has to score. He has to be a threat. He has to be a weapon. But I would love to see um, – I would love to see him some too because I think they're – they would be a lot of fun to, to see locking up together. They're both strong, tough, physical, athletic, fast dudes. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if Bobby's quite ready for that because – 
Uh, he was obviously on last year's team when Noel did plenty of damage on KU uh, over in Manhattan. But I, I think he's his game has evolved, and, and he looks pretty good and, and has more experience that he can kind of lean on and rely on in those types of matchups. So I don't think it's one guy, obviously. We've, we've, we've seen that a million times. I don't think it's just going to be one guy has to lock him down. Um, I think it's got to be a team effort, and I think a lot of those guys get a chance. Last year, we, we saw one of those games where Kansas kind of was a, a tale of two halves, the, the game in Manhattan, uh, when Kansas ends up winning 78-75, but they're down 15 at the break, 50 to or 16, I guess, 50-34 to 34 before coming from behind to win that game. What do you remember most from the game last season and, and how things kind of transpired and what caused the biggest change for KU in the second half? I remember them on the glass. Um, and, and I don't remember who specifically, but I'm sure it was Dave. I'm sure it was Jalen and, and probably others as well. I, I, I remember there were times where it looked like KU's best offense in that one was just throw it up and, and see if somebody can go get the offensive rebound. I don't know if you have the stats in front of you. I'm, I'm driving it. And, uh, so I don't have them pulled up, but I, I would, I would be surprised if I remember that wrongly because I remember it seemed like the biggest factor in that game and uh k-state could not keep ku off the offensive glass and and really ku didn't play great at all they just competed and uh get it done and and i think that had a lot to do with it and some of those clips that are sort of surfacing on twitter and stuff you see some of that you see Jalen getting the offensive glass and and, and, and a putback. You see david mccormick going and getting some of that and, and obviously everyone's going to remember ochai's shot that was effectively the game winner, but uh, but before that, I I just remember K State could not keep KU off the glass, and if they were able to, if they had been able to, they don't won that game by double digits easy. Yeah, I, I have the stats right in front of me. Uh, this is a big moment for me. Then this is a big moment for me because you're going to tell me we had K, KU. You're looking at like three offensive rebounds or something. That's going to hurt my pride. KU had zero offensive rebounds. K State <laughs> had 14. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. Um, no. Uh, K, there's a good call. KU actually had 18 offensive rebounds. K State had 16 defensive rebounds. There you go. Dave had yeah, 15 total. Jalen had 10 of them. Uh, so is there a player for KU? I don't know. Maybe it would be Jalen. Like Jalen actually. Low key in that game because, like you said, with with Ochai hitting the big shot, having twenty nine points, Dave going for eleven and fifteen. Um, I, I think Jalen kind of had a, a sneaky sixteen and ten game there. Is there a player that you most expect to to maybe be able to go off for Kansas tonight? Oh man, it's hard. To, it's hard. Even though I just said what I said about Bobby, it's hard to not envision that maybe being Grady Dick, right? Like. You, you, you saw what he did against Missouri in that atmosphere. Um, crazy, crazy first half of that game. Uh, we know how talented he is. We know what he's capable of. And we also know that he spent his entire life, his entire childhood, wanting to play in this game. And this may very well be his only crack at doing so in Manhattan. And so um, it, it's not impossible to envision him just going nuclear out there and making five or six threes and 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 really making it hard on k-state um but it's also not impossible to see him having a hard time in that moment i mean um it's a big game he'll be he'll be fired up probably for this 
as much or more than any game he's ever played in in his life, at least to this point. And uh, sometimes that leads to good things. Sometimes that leads to bad things. So, it will, you know, we'll have to see there. I, I, I still think Jalen's day is coming. I mean, he, you know, he's obviously leading the team at, what, 19.8 points per game or something like that. And, and uh, regardless of how he's shooting the ball, he continues to find a way to get – 16, 17, 21 points, you know, a lot of that getting up to the free throw line and and, and hitting clutch shots at timely moments. And so um, it hasn't done anything to hurt his scoring, but he hasn't been overly efficient in any of the games he's played recently. And so I still think one of those games is coming where, you know, the 14 shots he takes, maybe he makes 10 of them. And if he does that, you know, four or five of them are three-pointers, and he gets to the line. I mean, he could go for 30 any given game. So um, I don't know that that will happen tonight, but I, I, feel like, I feel like he's due for one of those. And uh, we know what he's about, man. We know that he's uh, the bigger the stage, the bigger he plays, and, and he loves these moments. And so it would not shock me at all if tonight's one of those nights for him. All right, we're, we're talking here with Matt Tate of Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Uh, before I let you go, I know you have a couple others in the car with you. Nick Krug, who does great photography work. Shane Jackson, who... Uh, Shane's okay. Shane's okay. The other two in the car, <laughs> you're good. No, uh, no. but in all honesty, Shane does great work as well. Um, so, I have a question for all of you, and I want all of your opinion, because I know you're all driving to Manhattan right now, so I want to know. Uh, and you can pick whatever order you want to go in. What is the best car road trip like snack? Oh wow, I love that. Um, Nick, go. You want to go? Matt has a pack of Twizzlers right in front of me, and this may be his daughter. But I'm going to go ahead and dip in right between the <laughs> very moment. All right, so Twizz- Twizzlers for Nick. Shane, do you want to go next? I'm way in the back, but I say Jesus. Cheez-Its, okay. I, I'm a white cheddar Cheez-It fanatic, but I can go with any Cheez-It. Matt, do you have an option? I, uh, man, I, you know, growing up, it was uh, two things. And, and my dad my dad was in a band when I was growing up, and uh, still is, as a matter of fact. And um, he, uh, we, we would drive all around Colorado where he would play in different mountain towns and all this stuff, and I, I was with him a lot um, in the summers especially, and I swear, every time we were in the van, I either got a pack of those, uh, whatever, whatever the brand is, those little coconut toasted donuts, the little six-pack, okay. you know, um, or, and I still get those, but also always got one of those little, what the heck were they called, or just the ungodly amounts of sugar that were in those things, and the, the filling that was just the hard-crusted, iced-over outer case and then the filling inside so you know those aren't necessarily the answers because i probably can't afford to do that in my old age now (laughs) but um those are the the most fond memories i have of a snack on my drive down to memphis i got uh a a bag of um what what cracked pepper sunflower seeds okay and i'm a fan of that like you got the cup and you do your spit thing and you just keep yourself occupied, you keep yourself alert, awake, so that's probably my answer. And surprise, 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 it's a hell of a lot longer than either of those two guys' answers, right? <laughs> well, that's okay. That's, you know. Yeah, well, you know, they did it right. They got in, they got out, and I have to ramble and tell you ten different things. Unbelievable. No, I want I want Imagine detail. I, I need right the whole now, story. 
Imagine being them right now, Derek. They've got another 60, 70 miles with me. <laughs> no, I'm sure it'll be uh, great conversations all around. So, uh, uh I don't know. Maybe you could record it. We'll send it in. We'll use it for audio on tomorrow's show. We can be like a fly on okay, the your car. I'll give you one more then before we get out of here. Okay. Hi, Ronnie. <laughs> Close. Um, we, we were supposed to meet at like 2.15 or something like that, and I was late getting there per usual. But Nick texted the group at 1.15, and he said, all right, I'm in the northeast corner of this parking lot. <laughs> Shane called him an overachiever for getting there an hour early. More important than that, though, Nick said, and this will be one of the greatest quotes that lives for the rest of my life, he said that he pulled a reverse Keegan. And anybody that knows Tom Keegan probably knows that Tom ran a little bit late himself. So <laughs> the reverse Keegan is being there an hour early. And uh, I will never, because that's the day that he's born, as far as I know, anyway. I love it. Well, Matt, Nick, Shane, appreciate it with all you guys. Matt, uh, talk to you next week and, and see you guys around. Safe travels. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. Thanks. All right. That's Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Thanks to Matt for coming on the show. Guest appearances there from Nick Krug and uh, Shane Jackson as well. That's going to do it for this edition, though, of RCST. Uh, for Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're out early. Pre-game coverage, Crimson and Blue Show, 430 Tip-off 6 o'clock for Kansas-Kansas State and the Sunflower Showdown happening in Manhattan. You can also hear it on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Don't forget, you can check out anything you missed on the Best of RCST podcast, and we'll see you tomorrow to break down whatever happens tonight from 3 to 6 right here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn KLWN KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it.